Welcome to the Queer Arabs Podcast. This is Alia, and I have a guest on today. Um, can you introduce yourself? Thank you for joining. Sure. My name is Denmo Ebrahim. I'm an actor and a writer and based in San Francisco. If you can tell the listeners what's coming up for you. Sure. Um, I have a, a new project called Brilliant Mind, which is co-produced by Storycraft and Marin Theatre Company. It's a live and interactive digital experience opening on May 18th. And um, it sort of centers on an Arab American family and specifically um, uh, a brother and sister, Dina and Yusuf, uh, who come to bury the father they never knew. And uh, within the 24 hours of their um, of, of the burial, all these sort of secrets and revelations come to light between them um, within themselves and for each other. Uh, so it's, it's cool. It's a beautiful story. Um, the, the part that's kind of um, brand new is sort of innovating. How do we do theater? <laughs> in the pandemic, um, especially when you can't share spaces. So this is a, it's a, it's an experience that's streaming on, um, on your screen, um, but there is a live actor that's ha- that, so when you log in, there's a live actor at the space and um, there is an interactive element um, that you'll be texting with this live actor as the story is unfolding. Um, and so it's sort of a new kind of theatrical experience that's still happening in real time. I'm really curious how, yeah, this, how this experience will feel. Um, I just want to say the plot really resonates with me because, um, so my, my father from Saudi Arabia and I were pretty estranged our whole lives. And then, um, when he, he passed away and it was when he passed away, it was like all these, I felt like I kind of got to know him more, like when that happened. Um, so just reading the plot of this, I was like, oh, okay, this this one hits, this one hits. Um, well, it's interesting, you yeah. know, um, the the story was certainly inspired by my my own life. I, my, you know, my brother and I were also estranged from our father. And uh, we only, I only met him a few times in my life. And it wasn't actually until his death, which happened in November, that I um, sort of discovered a lot about him and um, the life he had been living. And it was a real, it was really interesting. I mean, it's maybe, I don't know if you felt this too, but there's, there's a kind of healing that happens through death. Um, at least there's an opportunity for that. And, um, and so, you know, it was interesting that while all this grief was happening actually around the absence of this person in my life, there was actually a tremendous amount of healing that was also kind of coming to light. And, uh, and it really shaped the narrative of Brilliant Mind. Wow. Yeah, the way, uh, first off, I'm really sorry. Um, it's, I know that that was really recent for you. Um, I know that... And it's a really, I mean, you'll get it. It's a really specific type of grief. Because, like, if even if you weren't technically close to the person, there's a different kind of pain that comes with not being close to someone you should have been close. Like, you feel like you should have been close with. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. 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 That, that part was really interesting, you know, because yeah. you say the words, my father died. Mm-hmm. and people's faces fall. Yes. And it was this really interesting piece of, I I know you're having an experience when I say that, yeah. but I'm having a very different experience. Exactly, yes. 
That was and, the that was such the thing for me. I was like, I I'm saying these words, but there's no way they're conveying what's actually happening right now. Completely, <laughs> yeah. and, and it really just this this. Uh, it was like, I. it was interesting. It was like, I got to see people's grief as they imagined their own father dying and that relationship. And it was a really, um, it was just a powerful, powerful time to be in this very vulnerable situation and have the, a, a sort of one of a kind experience of what that was like. You know, I, I remember going to my father's house and uh, going into his bedroom and there was a picture of my brother and I on the dresser when we were maybe four or five years old. Wow. And, um, and it was so, you know, it was so powerful just to see that image. And we found these photo books of, of when my mother and him were married and our childhood. And these wow. were the first time I'd ever seen pictures of myself as a child. And, uh, we didn't Whoa, have what. Yeah. So there was, you know, when they had separated, we were very young and he had, he, he had all our, our sort of photo albums. Wow. And so it was a really incredible discovery of a sort of like a, a, a part of my own history that was coming back. Yeah. Uh, and, and so, you know, it was interesting though, it's like, just to back up a little bit, I was already commissioned and writing Brilliant Mind. And, um, you know, I had started that project and really exploring technology, mm. um, how technology can be a part of how a story unfolds. And so my, my business partner, Marty Grimink, and I started StoryCraft to hold what Brilliant Mind would be. You know, can we have live text messages? Can we create 3D animated rooms, sort of like a video game? Can we have a film portion? And can there be live? All as a way to reimagine theater in a digital age. So that was sort of one assignment. And when I was writing, I was imagining a son losing his father and going home to learn about who he was because he didn't have a strong relationship. And then my father actually died. No. And so oh, I sort God. of exactly so i paused the project and i dealt with that and we went my brother and i flew to to you know handle a lot of the the burial and the funeral right. and then i changed the story from being about a son reckoning with his father to a brother and sister okay and that became sort of like this incredible journey of this sibling relationship and specifically the first generation American experience that I felt like I was really trying to get at. You know, both of my parents immigrated to America from Cairo in the 70s. And my brother and I were the first in our family to be born in the States. And I, I, I'm very fascinated by that, um, the, the sort of privilege of, of having that uh, be a part of our sort of history, but also the, the, the pressure that comes naturally with that. And so I, I really wanted to kind of talk about um, some of those themes in the piece, you know, the, 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 the patriarchy that's embedded in Middle Eastern community, even whether you're in the Middle East or in America, um, you know, yeah. the difference between the, being the firstborn, um, you know, the, the, the demands that the culture has yeah. and that stays, even if you're, you know, your life is sort of, you know, in, in the States. Um, and so it was a really interesting premise and 
journey that I could write around um, exploring a lot of these themes that I wanted to, you know, talk about like legacy and culture and tradition and what does it mean to belong and not belong and um, through family. And and so, I mean, I, I, I love, love, love to be able to tell this through the brother and sister dynamic, you know? Yeah, because there's another, yeah, there's another relationship going, like changing because of this, yeah. Yeah, what you said about the patriarchal, like the elements of patriarchy that become like so pronounced in the in the process of dealing with a death, it's just like, it, it's really intense. Like um, at least in, in Saudi Arabia, I don't know if it's regional or what, but um, women are not allowed to go to the burial. So my sister and I were not allowed to be part of that. And we just felt like really, it, it just felt awful to be cut off from your parent in that way. And then also um, our brother being so much younger than us. And he was like, he was in charge of everything. <laughs> I mean, that was, that's a big uh, storyline in the piece. That, oh, okay. you know, that, you know, the, that the, the son is expected to give the eulogy, you know, and, or mm. just to say the final words for the father. And there is this quality of being dismissed as the daughter, no matter the relationship, it's just because of the gender piece. And, you know, it's funny because I, I, I think like in an American lens, we think, oh, back there they're so backwards you know but it's sort of like one it's happening in america all the friggin' time and two uh i think it's it's a part of you know the middle eastern culture that i i think we are all still asking about like there's some outdated qualities that it they they why are we still doing that again yeah yeah (laughs) Um, we don't you know it's assumed, right, that men are here and women are here, and there's definitely a status thing, and it just creates a lot of um, tension, I think, from people who really want to embrace the culture, uh, you know, more fully. Exactly, like having those those blocks um, put, ha- not just having input in like all of the things that come after in dealing with a death, but just the blocks that it puts between you as a in the diaspora and uh the culture and like taking part in the, the cultural aspects of mm-hmm. something like this um mm-hmm. something like that happening and then yeah i'm really i'm really happy that you are bringing this story to so many people um i'm sure it'll resonate <laughs> with a lot of people others might l- learn from it because i don't think People are really used to knowing how to take in or react to um, situations like ours. Like you said at the beginning, at the beginning, people just kind of like, which is natural. People will kind of like empathize in a way that inserts their own grief or their own like expectation of your grief. But I feel like it's, it'll be helpful maybe for people to kind of see all of the aspects that yeah, we deal with. I, mean, yeah. I, I think, you know, one of the, the elements of the story is, you know, you really see in the brother and sister, some of the responsibilities or ways they've shaped their own identity, partly because of the family or in reaction or response away from the family. So, you know, Yusuf is sort of this 
the glue. You know, he's got young boys. He has a wife. He's he's still close to his mom, works with his mom, you know, um, and also he deals with a lot of anxiety and panic attacks and, you know, a, a sense of like debilitating depression, really, um, that he keeps hidden. And Dina, his sister, is, you know, is this very successful lawyer. Uh, she's queer. She has a partner in New York. Um, they're planning a baby. She keeps her life pretty separate. And um, and it's like they wouldn't really talk about the things they need to talk about, the fissure in their relationship, if it wasn't something like the death that brings them together. And it's interesting because it's it's not a film, right? And I and I say that because it's not a situation where you sort of press play and you watch the kids experience their lives. The only live character in the whole experience is the father who is dead. And so there is death as wow. this very living thing. So you're texting with the father, you're seeing him in real time. And then the film portion is the siblings. And what's interesting to me is like the premise is about a father who wasn't really there for his kids. Mm-hmm. And it's his death. Really, the premise is, you know, the father dies and the children bury him and all these things are sort of confronted. But the real question is, Samir, the father, can he create family? through his death and so it's this really interesting yeah exactly it's like it's almost it's like you know in in egyptian in like ancient egyptian culture and and also in in many different civilizations there's always this thought around what happens after we die and and is there an afterlife is there a a way is there an opportunity for us to achieve immortality and so you know in the piece we're sort of playing at this moment where you meet samir moments after he dies but before the afterlife and so it's a window where he is also kind of caught before his burial and you have an opportunity to engage with as the audience engage with him directly and um you know and so he has these two children that he didn't really connect to. And, you know, something that the piece kind of hints at, but doesn't really directly go into fully is this question that started me on this journey to begin with, which was this question around mental health in immigrant communities and the things we do not share. So we we sort of imagine those as personality traits. But one of the questions I was just really interested in is like, what are the implications of how our parents migrated to America? And does that get embedded into how the children identify themselves in the world, the first generation to be American? Mm -hmm. How does that shape who they become? And, you know, in this piece around is trauma generational mm-hmm. so if one group one one generation doesn't deal with it does it get passed down um there was this book by Zaina arafat that it was it was really powerful because it talked about like how her mother's like the main character's mother um was not able to deal with her own trauma because she didn't have like the time or the resources she was like a new immigrant and how her behaviors stemming from that like affected the character and I feel like yeah I feel like that's um a very real experience that many of us um have without even knowing yeah I mean I think I think that is that's a very powerful 
I think it's a very common experience mm -hmm. for anyone that has immigrant parents. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's not to say that it, it's just a very particular narrative that when you start a family in a foreign country, i.e., you know, America was a foreign country to my parents, that will shape, that will have a huge impact on what family means, what culture means, what identity means. And it's not saying that it means one thing, but I think there's so much to uh, unpack and explore and around expectation and, you know, being able to find one's own way in the world that may be different than the way the family might've wanted to shape or to define you. Um, you know, for an example, like in, in Brilliant Mind, uh, Dina, Dina's queerness is not central to the premise. You know, this is a Muslim family and uh, the daughter is, you know, in a relationship with a woman and it's not central to the piece in the way that this is what this is about. Yeah, you know, It's a part of the, and I think that's, you know, it's like you can see that she has reconciled that piece in her own life. And then we meet Dina um, as whole. Um, and that there is this, you know, as we have with family, there are always parts of conversations we didn't get a chance to fully unfold. So in Brilliant Mind, we see some of those pieces start to um, start to come to the surface. You know, this this also resonates because it was um, the day uh, the day after I learned of my father's death and my cousin called like just crying. And, you know, we we cried together on the phone and then he was like, I I just I, I've been meaning to ask you, I just want to know you better. And he asked, he straight up asked me, like, are you gay? And he said, if, if you are, it's a, it's fine. I just I just feel like I I really want to be close to you right now and know you. And it was so that that just really makes sense to me because it is something that you're so I mean, as a queer person, also having any kind of relationship with a family that's somewhat conservative or like somewhat uh, just something that you can't really mesh with your queer life very easily. Like the queer aspect of yourself is really put to the side when you are focused on family stuff, familial elements. So I feel like that that's very like realistic how right. that queerness isn't really central to this story. Exactly. Um, and, and how like, it's only through this traumatic ex shared traumatic experience where it's like, wait, we're all, we're all going through the same thing. Let's like understand each other more. Completely. I mean, it, I mean, it's, it's humbling, you know, yeah. um, it, it's so humbling when we can really just lay down our arms and just yeah. each other as we are, you know, it's so funny. It's like, you know, we have, we, we bury these resentments. We, we, you know, um, uh, I was talking to, to someone, um, a filmmaker um, from Algeria, and she was sort of sharing how, you know, with her brother who's older, she still has these childlike resentments towards him. And I was sort of like, of course, you know, I do too. Like that's, that's family. It's like, yeah. we don't get over that stuff, no matter how old we get. Of and course. Yeah. It, there's that's that's also funny you know like that and, that and I just want to say like as even though in Brilliant Mind there is this sort of like dark moment that we're meeting you know we're meeting a man in death and his children are burying him yeah. there is humor there's a dark humor to the situation that I really appreciate and I mostly because I feel like I have never experienced 
such uh, joy and laughter as I have in Middle Eastern culture, that they're, the ability to laugh at oneself mm -hmm. in the, the, the darkest of moments is one of the things that I really treasure, you know, yeah. as a part, like I, I, I hold that close to me. And so this, this project, while is also like, you know, weaving in all these mediums mm -hmm. um, and sort of centers around a very universal piece of like losing someone we should love, we do love, we did not know, we knew, all of the things in one becomes a real sort of like interesting meditation on, you know, what do we hold back from yeah. the people we love most? Yeah, exactly. I often think about that. I'm like people that we consider to be close to us. Um, sometimes I realize I'm like, wow, we really don't really know each other. Like we actually don't know each other. It's, it's bizarre. I, I just, I'm like, how does that work together? It's I know. Somehow, it somehow does. It, it somehow how happens. And like, then you just have these moments where you're like, wait, we don't know anything about each other's lives, really. It's like, true. Yeah. And the closeness that we have is only within like these very short, these brief moments of when we're directly communicating to each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so real. God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, um, I have to go to this play for sure. I have yeah, to for sure. And it, yeah. It, it runs May 18th to June 13. It's like a Tuesday through Sunday. You can watch it anywhere. You have a computer and cool. we recommend two devices, your phone and your laptop or your Ooh. tablet. Ooh, um, intrigued. Yeah. It's okay. very, it's very interesting, you know, I don't think, I mean, I've certainly never experienced anything like this. And because we're still in production, I haven't actually experienced it yet, but there's been yeah. so many different stages of the build. You know, we have, uh, we have a tech, a technology team mm -hmm. um, that's in Tunisia, Paris, uh, and in California. Yeah. Um, we have, uh, and they're building this sort of like 3D animation space. Mm, so for cool. example, you know, and then we also had a film shoot. The film shoot was the brother and sister story where they're always outside of the house. They're going yeah. back to their father's childhood home. They're always outside of the house. And anytime you go inside the house, you go into this animated space where you can oh, wow. open drawers and, and, and uh, you know, sort of trigger objects. So it's sort of like playing at something else. There's a yeah. real playfulness to this yeah. sort of, uh, to, to the story itself. I keep calling it a play and I'm like, wait, that's not fully the right word for it. Like, what? I know. <laughs> this is like, this is definitely a different, just different structure experience, all of it. Well, we've been calling yeah. it an experience because it, it's true. It's not really a play. Yeah. It's not on stage. I mean, it is on a stage, but it's only one. It's like it's film, it's theater, right? And the video game, kind of. Yeah. And it's like a text thread. So it's sort of like what? It's like it's what? It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. It's a lot of stuff. It's none of the stuff. You yeah. Know? I oh, I'm really excited. Do you know like yet how people can find it, access it? Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's uh, marintheater.org. Uh, you can go to their website and buy tickets. And, you know, the cool thing is it's, it's actually live. So if if you miss that time, then you miss the show. Um, and I'll drop it here just so you have it. Um, but yeah, it's the, and StoryCraft 
is is the um is, you know as the artistic director of storycraft we're really looking at how do these different technologies intersect and it's been an incredible collaboration with marin theater company um who has you know is originating the production they're really the first company we're working with where we're going to see what is this new world that we're trying to build and there's a lot here um yeah there's a lot here Cool. Uh, well, before we end, like, I kind of, I would love to hear a little bit more about your other work. Um, mm. If you want to, if you want to talk about like, just whatever else you do. Well, it's interesting. I'm, I'm actually in production for Brilliant Mind, but I'm also in production for an audiobook that I wrote uh, called Zainab's Night of Destiny. And it was commissioned by Commonwealth Theater Center in Louisville, Kentucky. It was a three-year commission through the Doris Duke Foundation for Islamic Arts. And that piece I wrote, it's a, it, it, because of COVID, it was initially gonna be a 50-minute touring musical for kids. And then COVID happened and we changed it to an audio immersive experience. And so I wrote essentially a book and we're turning it into this gorgeous audio immersive experience for children. And that story is about a young girl named Zainab who moves from Cairo to Kentucky and she never feels like she belongs. And it's the last 10 days of Ramadan and she wants to, and she gets invited to her first sleepover and her mom says no, you know, and, uh, because Leilat al Qadr could be any one of these nights and we should pray. And um, she runs up to her room in a moment of upset. And then she notices the sand comes through the bottom of her closet. She pushes open the door and she's in the middle of the desert. And she goes on this journey of a lifetime to discover where she belongs. Um, and so this, it's really this beautiful piece that weaves in and features a Muslim character that's a young girl. Um, and she meets these animals and she uh, travels through the desert at night and she has a best friend who's a goat named Isa. And it's just like a really, it's a really stunning visual audio piece. Um, we have a composer, Kyla Flexer, and a Foley artist, Christopher Krotke, uh, directed by Zena Salome with cultural dramaturgy by um, Ahmed Ashur, uh, who's based in Bahrain. And yeah, it's, and so that piece will uh, drop in August, I think. And, yeah. I, and I just started recording that today. So that's also in the works. Um, and then I'm gonna be in a, a series called uh, Gharib or Gharib, Gharib, G-H-A-R-E-E-B. And that's a mini series, a mini TV series on three generations of Egyptian Americans. And I'm playing the mom in that. Um, and so I'm really excited to join the creative team that's that'll exciting. be filmed in Chicago, I think at the end of June. Okay. Um, yeah, Garib, um, that'll happen soon. So there's a few different projects Some in the work. stuff happening, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's um, it, how does it feel I, I wonder what it would feel like to read aloud your own work, adding more of yourself to it. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, in the, on the one hand, it's like you get to say it how you imagined it. But on right. the other hand, you know, you're so close to it right. that times you don't have the same kind of 
uh, space from it. So, you know, I like it, it's interesting because mm -hmm. I'm I'm in Brilliant Mind as Dina and yeah. I'm also playing Zainab. Um, and so it's a real like yeah. interesting thing where I am I'm performing the projects that I wrote um, and I'm learning so much. It's it's really, you know, satisfying yeah. and inspiring to be able to step into the shoes of these roles that I had created. And also I'm eager to see what it's like for someone else to create it. You know, I, I imagine right. will be on stage one day and someone else will play it. Um, I also imagine Brilliant Mind will go into regional theaters and be um, a real staged play as well. And, you know, so, there, there, there will be definitely different, more chances that, yeah. Different interpretations. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm really excited. You have a good summer coming up. Um, I know, my yeah. gosh. <laughs> Busy one. Um, uh, yeah, but yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm excited and I was so happy to hear about this podcast and, you yeah. know, I think it's really important to have different kinds of narratives in the Arab American community um, and seeing the artistic work that comes out, you know, just right. uh, what we're, what are the questions we're asking? What are the projects we're working on? Um, yeah, it's just nice sometimes um, to talk to each other about what we're creating, um, not have well, someone like speak for us or try exactly. to try to like figure out what we're trying to get at. It's like, no, we, we can talk, we can, we can shape that narrative. And it's nice to like have the space to do that. Um, mm -hmm. and just kind of talk to each other sometimes. Yeah, um, definitely. And Alia, can I ask, what's your, what's your background? Are you a writer? Yeah. Or an um, I'm actually a violinist. Something I have coming up is a theater, uh, immersive theater production, um, by a director from Cyprus. And it's going to be about, um, Eastern Mediterranean spring rituals. And yeah, and so I'm going to be playing the violin in that. And that'll be a lot of fun. I, I'm actually not used to being in the theater setting um, oh, cool. with my instrument. And so that's going to be a cool experience. Um, that's so wonderful. I, I'm really excited for that. Um, also, oh, yeah, I wanted to ask if anyone wants to follow you online, like oh, yeah. socials, if you want to, whatever you want to share. Yeah. Um, I, I, on Instagram, I'm at Denmo underscore Ebrahim. Okay. Um, and... Also, I think it's just Denmo Ebrahim on Facebook. Storycraft, follow Storycraft. That's probably the easiest way to find out where Brilliant Mind goes next. I think we, we open May 18th to June 13th and tickets can be bought at marintheater.org. The show runs Tuesday to Sunday. So by the time people hear this, uh, it will be out soon. So check yeah. it out. <laughs> You can follow us on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at The Queer Arabs and email us at thequeerarabs at gmail.com. Thanks all so much for listening and check out the experience. Not yeah. the play, the experience. The experience. <laughs> yes. Brilliant mind, the experience. Yes. Yay, thank you so much. Thank you for having me.